All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Everybody, welcome to another episode of Dropping the Gloves. Thank you for joining us today. Tim's back from vacation. He's got a big smile on his face. He's happy to be back on the show. You almost got replaced, but Kevin BX is too expensive. Apparently, he's a big deal these days. Just ask him. He'll tell you. Why? What did you guys talk about? You you listened to the episode. Stop, you dirty dog. Did you not listen to it? No, I did. It was a great interview. I liked it. He's a good. Yeah. He's a good talker. He, we have a very similar story, him and I, just our path to the NHL, going to college, growing up in the same area, making it to the NHL at a late age. He obviously had a bigger impact than I did, but we were, we played the same amount of years somewhat. And he made a, maybe played a few more years longer, but he's telling a story and I'm like, heaven, that's very similar. I, I, you have no many times you don't know how many times i wanted to jump in and make it about myself but i held back i use i just in the back of my head tim was like let him talk let him talk because i wanted to jump in so many times and be like no 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 no, me that's my that happened to me well yeah you got we had a few comments from people that lived around um st catherine's and those other place port whatever you talked about and yeah, they love those references. It's funny. You guys had to. I wonder if you ever gotten like, I know you didn't fight each other at a bar, but like, I wonder if you were ever involved in the same, I don't know, back alley scrum somewhere. Well, who sent you a message from Michigan Tech? And you're like, are you from the Outsiders? Which I didn't get the reference. Yeah. And you never yeah. explained it to me, but someone sent you a message. Hey, I remember you from Tech. You were throwing some guy into the dumpster or something. Yeah. And I was like, well, oh, I don't remember that. But um, maybe that was, and that's where people just kind of, it, it was a weird life back 15 years ago where it was normal to just go out, enjoy your night, have a fight and go home. That was the norm. And you, you smile and like, I'm serious. That was the normal thing to do. And I did that. I want to say every other weekend, that would be the, the thing you would go out, uh, enjoy your night throw down and then go home. And that was it. Like it, it wasn't, you know, ice your hand or fix your face. And that was it. So. Yeah. Did you, did you look up the outsiders? You know what I'm talking about now? I still don't know what you're talking about. No. It's the movie with uh, the greasers and the socias when back in like the sixties, it's just like the gang violence between the upper and lower class. And that's what, the, that's what they do every weekend. 
it's a good movie. It's All Star Cast. You should look it up. Is that the one with um, like Rob Lowe? Yeah, and Patrick Swayze and Emilio Estevez, C. Thomas Howell, Tom Cruise. It's a great, great cast. And uh, they're reenacting the '60s. Yeah, it was made in like the maybe late '80s, but it takes place in the '60s, I think. The Outsiders. It's a good movie. Great book. And it was of of course you read the book. You always got to slide that in there. Oh, I I read books. You you and Kevin BX is saying people are dying to write his book. It's like a joke, but it was it was a good interview. I like talking to him. It's I'm always blown away by how people. And then you see Brian Boyle's working for the NHL Network now. How they get these connections? How it's just like oh now he's on Hockey Night in Canada. You know what I mean? And there's just a tinge of jealousy because I'm like why not me? I feel like I'm, I'm okay talking to. I'm okay on the mic. These guys just get their opportunities. I don't know why. Maybe because they're just bigger names. Maybe you could have. You could have done it. You said no. I know. Regrets. You know. Everybody's got regrets. <laughs> now you're stuck talking to me. Yeah. In Traverse City. I think I love that. That's why I'm not doing it because I won't leave Traverse City. It's such a beautiful city. But. Anyways, good interview. Thank you, Kevin, for coming on. It's funny scheduling interviews with these guys. He's like, well, I'm doing Hockey Night in Canada. Then I got my academy. Then I got to do this, this, and this. I'm like, man, you guys are busy. It's crazy. Like, after hockey, I wanted to just unplug, you know, and not do anything. These guys are just still traveling everywhere, doing everything, like, all over the place. And, like, with this podcast, it's it's very low maintenance. We do it three days a week. You have to do a little research, but we're not traveling anywhere. Yeah, we go down and watch the GLI and see Michigan Tech. By the way, Michigan Tech made the tournament, Tim. First round, go play Penn State in Pennsylvania. Obviously, you're playing in the in the belly of the beast. Like, this is Penn State's home rank. And just Tech just got, what do you call it, molly swapped? Molly whopped. They got molly whopped. Whatever that is. I don't know if that's a reference to anything that I don't want to be a part of, but not good. I'll tell you that. They got they got beat bad. Eight to nothing. Wasn't even close. Just from start to finish. Every facet of the game, tech got outplayed. I listened to the interview afterwards with Coach Joe Sean, and he was fantastic. The interview was great. He's like, We stunk. He's like, I really have to talk to our players. And there was no pushback. It reminded me of the Western Michigan game. Where it was just like there was no pushback, no fighting through adversity. Once they got down two or three goals, it was just they folded. They they didn't respond whatsoever. Not good. Was that that Michigan Tech game or the Michigan Western Michigan was at the GLI? Was that like wasn't that like eight to two as well? Eight to two, yeah. So it's a big game thing. It's the big game. The bigger the game, the the, the team just doesn't doesn't live up to it. Unfortunately, there comes a point, and I've been a part on this both sides where. If you're losing the game and it could get out of hand, there is a is a critical point where you either just let the other team continue to roll through you or you push back and you say, no, we're going to be in this game. Tech didn't have it this year. They, did, they didn't have that pushback for a group of players to be like, no, we're, we're going we're gonna to be in this game. We're going to try. They just rolled over. They get the look in their eyes like, here we go again. Here we go again. We're going to lose. Bingo, bango. Eight, nothing. Good for Penn State. An interesting thing. And uh, this is happening all across college sports just because of the NIL and the the portal where players can transfer freely without having to sit out a year. It's becoming an issue 
the the rich are getting richer, the strong teams are getting stronger. They're able to scout throughout the year, basically. Other teams from different leagues, and as soon as the season's over, they approach that player and they scout them. They say, Would you like to come to this such and such school? And it's so advantageous for these bigger programs who have the cachet, who have the money, especially now with the NIL deals, you can offer player monies. You can say, hey, if you come to Penn State, we'll give you this sponsorship. You'll be able to do this and this. You can make maybe in hockey, it's not that much, but, you know, a couple thousand dollars a month. That's better than nothing if you're going to Michigan Tech where they're they're zero. You know, they don't have anything to offer money-wise. So it's just... Coach Sean alluded to that where he's like, it's becoming difficult. And he even said, he's like, I'm glad I'm on the back end of my coaching career. Cause it's just not, it's kind of, I don't know. It, it, I, I get why they're doing it because players, the, the teams and the schools are making money off of the players, but then it just comes into this, they're professionals and the bigger schools like Minnesota and Michigan and Boston and Northeastern and the bigger markets they have that weight. They can go out and ask a donor or an alumni or a, whoever in the neighborhood, a restaurant, a, a sporting goods store, and say, hey, give this guy 50 grand and he'll come to our school. And next thing you know, a player, if you're a big time quarterback playing for U of T, you're making a million dollars. So I don't know. It's kind of it's kind of slimy. But I wish it was around when I played. I would have signed a deal with Subway or something. <laughs> Be like free subs for life would have been great. But it's just not fair, Tim what I'm, what I'm getting to. I I don't like it. I I don't think it's good. What would be good if we really wanted to, you know, protect these kids and make sure they're getting their fair share. They sign a big ESPN deal or a, a Madden game or something set aside a certain amount. Okay. This guy, this team made a hundred million dollars. That player, his image and likeness made $500,000. $500,000. Okay. He gets $300,000. He gets it's, it gets set aside in a retirement account. And when he gets of age, he gets that money. There you go. So you're not paying the player right there at the moment. So it's, it's more of a future thing. You made this money. Thank you for coming to our school. When you turn 62, you're going to get a ton of money. Or when you turn 30, you get a ton of money, a certain age. They don't get it right then when they're 18 years old. It might be an, it might, might, might be an idea. How about compound interest in 40 years at $300,000? That's some good stuff. There's all, there's this, a little analogy I always, I don't always do it, but I did with my kids. Would you rather have a penny a day for a whole year doubled? So it goes one cents, two, three, or four, eight, whatever, or like $10,000. And there was, like, oh, we'll take $10,000. But the penny a day compounded double the year ends up being like a ton of money. But yeah. Anyways, Michigan Tech lost. Kevin Bexo was great. Tim's back. Let's move on to the NHL because we haven't talked really about hockey, Tim. It's been a while. In a week. You've been yeah. gone. Let's do it. What are we talking about today? Well, so I, I did, uh, you know, keep up with the league news over the weekend. There were some cool teams logging into playoff spots, um, teams clinching, all that. But the thing that kept coming up over and over again was just really cool stats and like highlights and just things of like, it just makes you go, huh, that's interesting. And I, I compiled them all together. Some I think are probably cooler than others, but I think a lot of them are, are really, really impressive. And so we'll start with one, Quinn Hughes. He's been in the league now for, I think this is his fifth year. He set the record for most assists by a Canucks defenseman in a single season with 61 over the weekend, surpassing his record from last year with 60. And now he has 15 more assists than any defenseman since he stepped into the NHL. That's more than Fox, McCarr, Carlson, all those guys, Yossi, 
uh, which is pretty cool. It's always been his game, you know, since he stepped up was, was the running the power play, creating offense, dishing it out. He's never been like a goal scorer. I think a good season for him would be maybe 10, 10, 12 goals and 60 assists. So he's doing it again this year. And there's not a lot of things that Canucks fans have to be excited about right now, but, but Quinn Hughes is definitely one of them. Are the Vancouver Canucks possibly the most frustrating team in the last five years? Yes. They're, they're, they're getting themselves out of the Bedard sweepstakes now. Oh, they're out. They're three points away from a 0% chance of Bedard. Even now they're like, you know, 1%, but still like, but they still won't touch the playoffs. It's crazy. They do this every, the last three or four years. This is their MO. They start slow, they gain steam and they finish scorching hot, like absolutely scorching hot. And they're doing it again this year. It's just so incredibly frustrating. I don't know if if I could figure out why they're starting slow, I would be a billionaire because I could just sell it to every single team. But boy, I've never just banged my head against a wall more for a team than the Vancouver Canucks. And then you look at their stats. They have so many talented players, but here's the reason why they're losing. Right now, in a nutshell, Quinn Hughes, plus 17. Great season. Oliver Ekman Larson, dash 24. You can't have that disparity on the back end and be a winning team. There is a problem here. It's their defense, and we've said it for years, they need to find a way to get away from Oliver Ekman Larson, and I'm sorry to say this, friend of the show, Tyler Myers. They need to move on. They either have to just cut bait and let him go, or just trade him for pennies on the dollar, and hopefully someone will pick up a majority of their contract, because it's just not working. It's not you have such a good team. The potential is there. You got Pedersen, who we'll, we'll speak on in a little bit. He is changing the way I see him. From three, four years ago when I was all out on Pedersen, I didn't like his makeup. I didn't like how he approached the game. He is having a fantastic season, Tim. I love it. They got JT Miller, who I love. People are always down on JT just because he's outspoken. Maybe he doesn't try on every single play, whatever. I like JT Miller. Quinn Hughes is that defenseman. He is. He's that Kale McCart type that you want, that Adam Fox, who's going to control the play. He's going to jump up in the rush. He is that difference maker. Bonafide goal scorer in Andre Kuzmenko. I'm talking sniper. Put him in a spot. Let him shoot it. The guy is an absolute stud. He is what the Canucks thought Brock Besser was going to be. He's that guy. Brock Besser is not that guy. Brock Besser is a third and fourth line guy, second power play line guy, which isn't a bad thing. I like them. I like the Vancouver Canucks. If they make a couple tertiary moves and a big one in getting rid of OEL, they'll be a good team next year. But I said that last year and I said it the year before. Then they'll start off and lose 18 of their first 22 and I'll be like, what, am, what happened? So it's a frustrating team to wrap your head around because they do this. Like you said, they finish the season strong and it shoots them in the foot because they end up middle of the pack for the draft. They miss out on all these high end players and then they suck the next year for the first half of the season. And then here we go. We're having a playoff push. If they make in the playoffs this year, I would not want to play them. They're not going to, but they're the hottest team in the NHL, Tim. They're, They're just on fire. Well, one of the themes for the, for this episode is kind of under the radar stats. People just better than you you realize what they were doing. And Kuzmenko's one of them. He's 27 years old. He came over from Russia in the KHL, so he doesn't technically you know qualify for Rookie of the Year or anything like that. But he's got 35 goals in the year. He's going to finish probably 40. And no, his name has not come up 
really at all for for us all season long. I haven't seen anything about him on social media. He's just quietly scoring 40 goals in a year. And I know scoring's up this year compared to, to past years, but still, like, this is the legit NHL sniper that they've got in their hands. So, yeah, it's really good, you know, pick up for them and very quietly done. Yeah, he's a good player. He'll be one who's just – he's going to ride shotgun to Pedersen for the rest of his career. Like, that that's his spot. Those two guys are super-duper solid. You got JT Miller and Brock Besser – on the second line, it's not a bad team. It really isn't. If they can just figure out their back end, I like they brought in Ethan Bear. He's a good guy to ride shotgun with Quinn Hughes. He just stays back. He's a very calm and inf- influence on him. But I like the Philip Ronick ad. I like Kyle Burrows. I hate to say it. It's Mizey and it's OEL because I play with both of those guys and I have seen them play really good when they're good, but their best days are behind them. It, it, it is what it is. Got to get rid of him. Moving on. Yeah, I don't what disagree. Else? Well, staying what? out west for a minute, another team that's been incredibly frustrating, especially for you in particular, because you want them to do well, the Calgary Flames. And so the, the the theme for them has been, you know, just just barely missing. Like they're, they're, everything is there, but they're not quite doing it. And I saw this stat come across my ticker. I think a listener might have shared it with me. Really blows my mind. It just goes to show that there is something more that meets the eye when this team when this team is not just like not performing. All the data backs it up. And I'll read you a couple stats here that are really surprising. Season in review. This is as of three or four days ago, so there might be one or two games off, but. 41 games decided by one goal, most in the NHL. 41 out of their 70-ish, one goal, which is crazy. Most in the NHL. 26 losses in one goal games, most in the NHL. These are tight games. They're losing by one most of the time. 15 overtime or shootout losses. Guess what? Most in the NHL. 77 posts hit. 77 times they've hit the post, which again... Most in the NHL. There's this theme coming around. Here's the one that really blows my mind. Third period comeback wins. If you were to guess before I showed you this, like what would be a low number? Four? Like five? Yeah. yeah. It's zero. Because zero. that even means they're, you're down by one. That's a comeback. <laughs> right. So zero. think about that. They've been all those one goal games, 26 most one goal games in the league, losses, and zero times have they come back and won. This is just crazy, which again is the fewest in the NHL. And this is another one here. One more losses when out shooting opponents by 10 plus shots, 21. Most in the NHL? No, most in the NHL history. In the history of the league, no team has had this many times where they've lost by out shooting the opponent. So even when they do everything right, they still lose. It's just, it's an aberration. Does it, does it make you feel like this team is better than we think they are? Or is this team just as bad as we think they are? I guess it's a nice consolation because they won't make the playoffs and you can say, well, you know, we were close. We lost a lot of overtime games. We hit a lot of posts. We lost a lot of one goal games. We we could have made it, but it's also frustrating. They don't have goal scores. They don't have anybody who can consistently and reliably put the puck in the net. That was Matthew Kuchuk. And everybody sees what he's doing with the Florida Panthers right now, where he's just on fire. He's going to eclipse 100 points again. He's got double the amount of goals as Uyghur and Huberto combined. So he he is just playing fantastic. And it's just, <clears throat> I don't know, it's frustrating because I love this team. I, I've, I've waxed poetically about them up and down for years now. But I think uh, I think it's done. I think I'm just going to stick it fork in the Calgary Flames. They have made their bed. They've tied, hitched their cart to Huberto. 
He's not that same guy that he was in Florida. He's turning 30 this offseason, so he's going to be on the back nine of his career. Tyler Toffoli's not getting any younger. Lindholm I like, but they don't have that goal score. And I've said it on this show, and maybe I'm finally just seeing it, where I was hoping one of these guys would step up and take that role. You need to have that guy for that moment who's going to score that goal, that important goal. When you're down 3 nothing, and you need to you know, get back into the game. When it's tied 1-1 in the second or third period and you need to get that goal. They don't have that guy. I thought it could be Toffoli. I really did. I was I was optimistic on Huberto. It's just not happening. So, yes, I know Daryl Sutter said this at the beginning of the season. You know, the goalies aren't saving a beach ball. We're getting a ton of shots. They're going to go in. They're not going in. They haven't gone in. Those 77 posts, it's frustrating. If you... Put half of those in, 35, 38. They're almost at the top of the league in goal scoring. You know? So it's just, it's a game of inches. It's a game of what ifs. So who cares? They should have put themselves in a better situation. They should have scored those extra 10 shots that they got, maybe one of them. They win 10, 15 more games or at the top of the Pacific Division. And we're not having these conversations. But they didn't. They don't have closers on this team. They have a lot of really good players. They don't have that line. Like they had last year with Kachuk, Lindholm, and Gaudreau. That was that line. They don't have it this year. They tried to replicate it. They were hoping Huberto, Toffoli, Coleman, Maggiapani, Tadri didn't work. So I, where do they go from here? Because they totally re- regrouped. They they had an opportunity to rebuild. You got a nice, you know, haul for Kachuk. Gaudreau walked. You brought in a lot of good pieces and you signed them to a long-term deal. Now what's next for the Calgary Flames? Markstrom, not looking good. He has flashes, but this year has been awful for him. Huberto, you just signed. That deal kicks in next year. And he signed for a lot of years for a lot of money. What do you do? Backlund's not getting younger. Tim, Lindholm. Is it time to just cut bait on this Calgary Flames team? Well, I was thinking about this while you were talking. How much blame do you put on the GM, Brad Treleving? Treleving. Because he, I mean, you can you can blame him for not signing Kachuk and Gaudreau, but what it came out was basically he kind of did everything right. And then when it, what looked like a completely lost offseason, he goes and brings in a guy that had 115 points last year and a young defenseman who was put up, I don't know, 40-something points, and he was like plus 30 on the year, like two really good players. And you bring in Nazem Kadri, who was a major part of the the, the Avalanche Cup. And so... Because it doesn't work, do you blame the GM or is it, is it on the players at this time? You can't blame the GM. He went out and did what he could do. His best player, Kachuk, said, I want out of here right now. And he got a good return for him. Everybody across the board was lauding that move, saying, wow, what like for dealing in a deficit when your best player says he doesn't want to play there anymore, you got a pretty good return. You let your best second best player in Gaudreau walk he offered him more money than he got in Columbus. What are you going to do? You know, and you go out and you sign replacements who had the same point total. So I don't blame him because you don't know how the game's going to be played. You don't know what's going to happen until they drop the puck. Are these players going to like the city? Are they going to gel with their teammates? How's the chemistry going to be? But on paper, this team looks solid. How, how can you, you know, predict that your goaltender who set the record the previous year for shutouts 
and was just fantastic is all of a sudden going to have a 298 goals against average and sub nine save percentage. And he's only going to have one shutout. By the way, remember last year how the Flames would just get a shutout every third game? You remember that? Yeah, I do. They've played 74 games this year. This this year. How many shutouts do you think they have? Um, Four. They've won. Oh. In 74 games, they have won. Last year, Markstrom had eight within the first two months of the season, it seemed like. And Vlader was right behind him. They were playing so lights out. They're a different team. I don't know what the answer is. Daryl Sutter seems to be on the way out, but he's been that way for the last month and a half and nothing has happened. So the players are even getting frustrated. Nazim Kadri called him out in the media. He said it's not working. There's obviously some animosity there between him and Daryl Sutter. And I don't know. It's going to be an interesting offseason. They don't really have much flexibility in what they can do. They have a lot of guys signed to a lot of term. And I don't know. I, I All of a sudden, when you look at teams in the West, a once promising Calgary Flames that had a bright future, it's like, gosh, they look really, really bad. And it's funny how it happened so quickly. All because Matthew Kachuk didn't want to play there anymore. That, that's where it all started. If Kachuk stays, Goudreau stays, and we're not having any of these conversations, and they're probably in a great spot right now. Could this be Toronto's future? No, I don't think so. I like how Toronto's set up. I, I really do. As much as Matthews probably won't return, as much as Marner is going to be a question mark, Nylander, they don't have any long-term atrocious contracts. Kyle Dubas has done a good job limiting his exposure to bad contracts. These guys are signed. They gave him a lot of money, and now they have the opportunity to walk. And they're still at a good young age. He doesn't have any guys who are 30-plus, Tim, locked into long-term contracts. So, no. As bad it would be for Austin Matthews to leave to Toronto and go to Arizona, go somewhere where he's more comfortable, whatever the heck that means, it it won't hurt Toronto. They can turn around and sign another huge guy. Imagine trading Austin Matthews next year, the return that would warrant. You're talking multiple, multiple, multiple first rounders for a guy who's 26 years old, lock him in for 40 to 50 to 60 goals a year, and he's still in his prime. Just imagine the return. And then the next year, you would do that with a Mitch Marner. It would be insane. It would be like the the New Jersey Nets or the Brooklyn Nets when they had all those first rounders when they fleeced the Boston Celtics. They had like 10 first rounders. It was the other way around. Was it the other way around? Yeah, the Celtics fleeced them. It would be like the Celtics, man. They had so many first rounders. It was crazy. So it would be like this. I I, I like where the Leafs sit. They're, They're not in the same boat as any other team, like the Sharks or the flames or the penguins or the capitals, the Leafs are set up very, very nicely. Their longest term contract right now is Morgan Riley. It runs through 29, 30. He's only 29 years old. I don't mind that contract. It's only 7.5. The guy should be making eight and a half. He's, he's a good solid defenseman. And after that, it's Kale Yonkrock 2.1. And that's through 25, 26. So they have no long-term bad contracts. Kyle Dubas is a great GM. I know I dump on him a little bit, but I also praise him a ton. I think he gets a lot of heat because he play, he's a GM in Toronto, biggest market in hockey. So, no. Anyways, that was a long-winded answer. No, they're not in the same spot as Calgary Flames. Okay. Another, another team that you've spent a lot of time maybe criticizing and, and wanting to be better is the Ottawa Senators. And I was looking at this stat, too. And Tim Stutzla is how you say it, by the way. He's played 200 career games. He's at 166 points, which is way more, probably like double what I thought. Because, again, you don't see his name coming up again. And a lot of it has to do with just national coverage or seeing who like the breakouts. And if you do fantasy hockey, that sort of thing. And he's not quite like 
that level yet, but he's had 69 goals <clears throat> through 200 games. He has more points. And I'm going to read a list of names here. John Tavares, Matthew Kachuk, David Pasternak, Tarasenko, Jack Hughes, Nathan McKinnon, Kyle Connor, Leon Dreisaitl, all of those guys. He has more points than all of them than 200 points in, the, in 200 games in their career. So we could be seeing a legit superstar breaking out in Ottawa right now. Yeah. He's a good player. Never doubted that. He's going to have what? Maybe 90 points this year, 80 games. He's a good player. He's first line center. He's playing with Brady Kachuk. They have a good young core, Ottawa. I like this team. I'm not as high on them as you are. You I don't even think I'm that high on them, but you think they've already peaked at the 21. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Well, I, I, he'll, he'll stay at this level, I think, for a long time, Stutzel. So I don't see him. Do you see him breaking 50 goals? He's got 35 right now. He'll finish off with 40. I guess it's possible. I just, I don't know. I, I'm not as optimistic. I guess my ceiling isn't as high for Ottawa as yours is, but it, it did change. It did alter with the addition of Chitrin. He's a very good pickup. Now, if they can go out and kind of parlay that Giroux contract, maybe parlay that to Brinkett money into a couple more pieces that are more effective, more bang for your buck than those two players. Not that Giroux's been playing bad. He's got 70 points, 73 games. You know, he's playing really, really good hockey in Ottawa. But maybe get a guy who does a couple of different things. Maybe a little more sandpaper. I like that. Maybe bring bring a couple more tools in your tool belt other than just a premier playmaker and a guy who could put the puck in the net every once in a while. So I don't know. I'm I, I'm not all out on Ottawa. All I'm saying is I like Buffalo a little bit better. I like their ceiling a little bit more. I think Owen Power will continue to grow. I think I think Rosmis Dahlin has more room to grow in his game. I think Tage Thompson, as crazy as it sounds, he has more room to grow than a Tim Stutzel, even though Tim Stutzel is probably four years younger than he is. I think Tage is figuring out his game still to this point. The guy's a six foot seven unicorn. Like he, he won't hit his stride till 27, 28. And look out. The guy's going to be putting up 60 goals every single season. It's going to be crazy. He will be the best player in the game. Well, there's McDavid. Gosh, that's going to be fun. The Sabres will be good. By the way, I had to, I was going to go there on Friday this week. And it's funny how things work because I love Buffalo. I love it. I've been negotiating with their PR guy because they want me to come in and do like a wine wine event with the fans. And then they want me to go to the game on Friday. So it's a two day event. And they're like, we can only give you $2,000. I'm like, I'm not coming for $2,000. And I probably just said X amount, but I just said the actual dollar amount. I don't know. Is that me being a, a prima donna? Because they said, we pay our Hall of Famers that much. And you want more than that? I was like, yeah, I do. And so they tried to make things work and they just, they, they wouldn't budge. I was like, oh, all right. And I'm not, I'm not going that. I'm sorry. I can't do it. Playing hardball. Well, I think in your defense, I think those types of events, your NHL career is not as important as how important you are to the fans today. Like what, what kind of crowd are you going to draw? What kind of like, so there's probably some like incredible Buffalo Sabres alumni whose name I don't even know put up 300 points in two seasons in the 70s. Who's there? And he's making he's and he's had his fun, but no one knows him. Yep. No one cares. You know what I mean? Yep. So I agree. And that's what, what I said. 
I'm like, yeah, they're there all the time. I'll be, but anyways, I can't, I can't leave my family. And that's the big thing. The kids are on spring break. So they're home 24 seven. And my wife's like, you're not leaving for two days and leaving me all alone for $2,000. You know, it's just not happening. And that's a lot of money. I know. What is that? Like a one week of groceries at your house? Oh, it is. Oh man, <laughs> these kids won't stop eating. It's crazy. You figure seven girls wouldn't eat that much because our youngest just started eating. So she's just crushing bananas and Cheerios and like all these mangoes. That's crazy. It's so expensive in my house. But back to the Ottawa Senators. Tim Stutzel. Stutzla. By the way, speaking Stutzla. of names, did you see Jack Edwards laugh last night? I hate that guy so much. The the Martin Nook penalty. Yeah. He didn't even he didn't even give him a penalty, Jordan Martin Nook. He just and he people probably say the same thing about me, but he just embarrasses himself all the time. It's so bad. It is just honestly bad. Does that make you nervous that the Hurricanes went in there and handled them pretty well, giving them the Bruins a loss five to three? Bruins won that game. And I thought the I thought the Hurricanes won five to three. Nope. Oh, that was Toronto. They beat Toronto the next night. All right, go ahead. Well, the Bruins won. Um, they they beat Tampa and then in Carolina in back to back games. And the second game in Carolina, they played without Bergeron, Marchand, Lindholm, and then Hall and Foligno were both out already. And they still beat them. Which is now, was that by design? They're resting these players. Yes. Yeah. The back to backs, and they're starting to bench them and everything. Uh, and cool cool moment from that too. Pasternak scored his fiftieth and fifty first goal. Uh, first time reaching that plateau. So really special for him. He's closing in on a hundred points. He's not quite there. Um, another cool stat here, the Seattle Kraken are currently at 88 points. And after recording 60 points last season in their full season, it's the largest second year increase in points in a franchise history, 28 plus, um, which is really cool. Cool little moment. By the way, Ryan Reeves, he had that funny smelling salt thing the other day. Do you see that video? Yeah. I was going to ask you, did you know that was a thing, the smelling salts? Yeah, we had it in college. Okay. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah, one of the kids always bought him and he knew which pharmacy sold him, which ones didn't. Um, but yeah, so he has four goals in his last seven games now, which is kind of a crazy streak for a guy that he wasn't even playing. And he scores on average like four goals a year. Uh, and he added two assists during that span too. Do you like seeing the enforcer putting up those points? Yeah, he's a good player, you know, and it, it's funny the he gets more effective. There's more skilled the game gets because you could just bully people to the net. And like just push these small defensemen out of the way. So the more the game goes that way, if Revo plays for another two, three years, he'll be more effective. That's how I felt. I had my most goals in a season, my last season. Cause I was like, it's getting easier to just go to the net. I don't have to battle through a Chris Pronger or these massive defensemen. I can just go to the net. I can push over, you know, a Morgan Riley. It's not that difficult. I don't have to run through these meatheads who are six, four and just mooses. So good for Revo. Speaking of meatheads, did you see that that hit last week that Jared Tonorti Tonorti laid on Tom Wilson? No, big big open ice hit. It was nice. Um, another surprising stat here: Clayton Keller. I was looking at this yesterday. He has thirty six goals and eighty points. He's going to score forty and put up ninety points. And that's another name that no one's really talking about. Maybe because it's out in the desert and no one really takes that team seriously. But that's just legit. That's a legit NHL star right there. If a tree falls in the woods with no one around, does it make a sound to hear it? If there's no. a podcast recording, then yes. Nobody cares. It's good. It, it's impressive because he's the one guy on that team that other teams focus all their attention on. So he's a good player. As as much as you know, he takes a lot of heat for the way he plays. 
he's a very effective player. I like him. He, he's done very well for the Arizona Coyote. By the way, did you see the owner of this team? This got thrown in jail because he was strangling his wife, like a classy guy that he is. And no. it might affect their deal with Arizona State because there's a clause that you can opt out. Uh, moral, whatever, if they're embarrassing the team, you can opt out of it. So good for Arizona. Always just really, really a, a tip-top organization. Owner's a clown strangling his wife because she did something. Or, I don't know. Yeah, I didn't hear about this. I looked it up here. Andrew Barraway. Yeah. Suspended, suspended indefinitely. Wow. Yeah. It, this whole organization. I hope Arizona State kicks them out of the arena. That'd be so fantastic. Then they go play with some East Coast team, the Roadrunners, and it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. Get them out of Arizona. And then the Roadrunners yeah. don't want to be associated with them. So they're like, no, they no, would no, ruin their brand. It's like, we yeah. got a good thing going here. We're the Roadrunners. We don't need this kind of publicity. No, thanks. All right. One thing that I want to talk about. The LA Kings, Tim, just set a franchise record, which is a big deal considering how good they've been. The Luke Robitaille, Wayne Gretzky years when they were just on fire. They just set a franchise record with 12 points in 12 points in 12 consecutive games. They're 10 0 2. They are on fire. They are, if not one of the hottest teams in the NHL. We'll, we'll touch on another one soon, but are you ready? to proclaim the LA Kings a Stanley Cup contender in the West and just get off this Colorado wagon that you're on? I'm not going to say Colorado's suddenly not just because the LA Kings have arrived, but yeah, they are a legit team. We talked about that last week. I think they're... they're No, I talked about it, but you were still apprehensive and you wouldn't give them their due. You were like, they're not as good as Colorado. I still, this team I is deep. This team is dangerous. This team has scored four goals in a period in four of its last five games. It's a lot. These guys are good, Tim. With the addition of Corpusalo, they might be my number one team in the West. And I'm not going to pick teams just yet for the playoffs, but they are not far off from being the best team in the Western Conference right now. Speaking of Western Conference, another team who's just on fire, even without their best player on the sidelines, the Minnesota Wild, being led by Ryan Reeves, are 14-1-4. and in their last 19, Tim. Did you know that? Five, one, and two without Kirill the Thrill Kaprizov, who was on the show for just a little bit when we interviewed Matt Zuccarello in the offseason. Are the Wild ready to be anointed as one of the contenders for the Stanley Cup in the Western Conference? I know you're on holding the jock strap of the Colorado Avalanche just all over them. Can you say the Wild are a good team? Well, they're a great team. I still think it's Dallas and Colorado are my two teams in the West right now, but these are two great teams. And I like that it's not the same teams over and over again in the West, the way that it is in the East. There's way more fluctuation, which makes it more exciting. Okay. Another point, another cool stat that I found. Johnny Tavares for the Toronto Maple Leafs. We've talked about this before. His career high in points, very surprisingly low. I think it's 88. He's at 75 now. He's got 10 games left. Does he set a career high in points this year, Tim? Does he get to 90 points, that threshold he's never gotten? Probably. I don't know. Probably. I hope he does. It's kind of crazy. What I was thinking, when you're talking about Huberto at the beginning, like you wouldn't say Huberto is a better player than Tavares, right? Even offensively. Yeah. He had 115 points last year and Tavares never cracked 90. Like, what do you do with that? Yeah, I just think Johnny, I call him Johnny because we had breakfast together one time where he barely talked to me and he just talked to Cal Clutterbuck the whole time. But that's beside the point. 
I think Johnny T brings so much more. And this goes along with the conversation we have about MVP caliber players. What makes an MVP with this Toronto Maple Leafs? The MVP of this team, I think this year is Mitch Marner. I think he's really deserved that. But the second best, most important player on this team is John Tavares. I think if he's gone, if he's not playing, it's a bigger impact opposed to an Austin Matthews being gone, a Willie Nylander being gone. Tavares does so much more for this team than those other two players. So that's what makes him much more important than a Jonathan Huberto. I think he's just so much more impactful. Yeah, but I... I I was surprised. And I know we talked about this last year and we talked about it the year before you would figure this guy's got like a 120 point season back in the day with the Islanders. Just, he's got that aura around him. He was the next great one coming out of the OHL that like, that's what everybody was talking about. He's going to be the guy who overtakes Wayne Gretzky. Guy doesn't even have a 90 point season on his, on his resume. He's been playing for 10 plus years. So he's having a great season. If he's healthy, and all these tie-in forwards are healthy, the Leafs look pretty dangerous. Aside from the fact that Matt Murray, oh my gosh, so frustrating. Who is the Leafs game one starter? It's got to be Samsonov, correct? It is, yep, yep. He's been uh, he's been their best goalie all season long. That's going to be their Achilles heel, I'm telling you right now. They're going to go into the first round versus Tampa Bay. Samsonov's going to get lit up. They're going to go to Matt Murray. He's going to play one game, going to play great. Then he's going to just fold like a cheap tent because that's what he's been doing all season long. He'll put together one or two good games, then he'll just buttress it up with just a garbage game where he lets up four or five goals. I just, I don't, gosh, it angers me, Tim. Get a well, good goalie. Let's, let's talk about a defenseman that you've been loving all season long, Eric Carlson. What do you think? Did he get to 100? Yeah, I think he does. I think he gets to 100. He becomes, he joins the elite elite group of defensemen who have gotten a hundred points. There's very, very few of them. I'm very excited. I think he gets to 103, 104. He, he joins the likes of Paul Coffey, Ray Bork, Phil Housley, Bobby Orr, Al McKinnis did it one time. It's just, it's just too bad that it's marred by just being on a terrible, terrible team. You know, the, the sharks cannot do anything right. They've traded away all their good players, except for him. The bigger question is, does he win the Norris? He probably will. Yeah, he probably will. Gosh, I don't know. That'll that'll be an interesting conversation to be had because he obviously is benefiting from just getting a ton of play in the offensive zone on the power play. He's lighting it up in those two areas, but he's also doing okay on even strength. Like I'm not going to slide him on that, slight him on that, but can you give the best defenseman to a team that could potentially finish last in the whole league? Or do you want a defenseman who is more influential on the game, is winning games for their team? Because it's obviously not Eric Carlson. So it's it's an interesting conversation. We have it every year when talking about the MVP, who is the most valuable player for their team. Because in the same vein, a defenseman we'll talk about next, Darnell Nurse, could be way more valuable. And people dog on him all the time. But is he more valuable because he does more stuff like what constitutes a Norris trophy winner? Is it just strictly points or is it a guy who you can put out in any situation? You're up by a goal, 30 seconds left face off in your own zone. Are you going to put Eric Carlson on the ice? No, you're not. He's going to be stable to the bench. Darnell nurse will be on the ice. Better believe it. So I don't know. 
I go back and forth to this. I think if he gets 100, that's such a monumental number. You have to give it to him. But it'll be an interesting conversation. But speaking of Darnell Nurse, Tim, he's quietly having a pretty good career, isn't he? Yeah, and I think the knock on him has always been just not putting up big numbers. And you think, man, a guy as talented as he is playing in that offense with those players, you think he'd put up more numbers. But the knock has really been power play. He's not really very good in the power play. But you look at the even strength, and it's really good. So over the the course of the last three seasons, his even strength goal for defensemen, he's got 29, which is third in the league. Even strength points, 91, which is 10th in the league among defensemen, plus minus six, plus 65, which is ninth. And time on ice, 24 minutes, 41 seconds average, which is 11th. He does everything. He's really, really good. He just can't. He's not a power play guy. So so he doesn't get the points that like uh, Quinn Hughes, Josh Morrissey, Darlene, those guys that you see at the top of the leaderboard. You know, I, I don't want to complain, but the luxury of being he's the, he's the one defenseman on that team. So he's going to start a lot of offensive zone faceoffs, even strength. Like that's that's going to be him to just stroll out there. And you got McDavid, and you got Kane, and you got Jan Mark, or you got Dryan Seidel, Nugent Hopkins, and Zach Hyman. It's like there's a pretty good chance we're going to score here. <laughs> there's a 30% chance if we win this draw, we will score. That's got to feel so nice. It really does. So he's a good defenseman. I, is, he over, is he overpaid? Maybe. 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 But, I mean, this stats definitely works in his favor. And I think yeah. the team's... Like the guys that that watch him every night know how important he is. So, um, some quick hits here. Did you see the the new um documentary that's coming out on ESPN? I what saw the, the the yes, yeah, the Vancouver Canucks. It's called "I'm Just Here for the Riot." It's going to cover the the Game Seven riots in 2011, where the Canucks, the fans, trashed their own city because they were so upset about losing the Stanley Cup. And I kind of forgot about that. And then this is going to be really, really good, especially for me, because it's like the Bruins won and I'm just laughing at everybody that's destroying their own city. But I think this, the, the stories could be really, really cool. Is If the old adage is true, there's no such thing as bad press. It's a good thing. But the NHL had to green light this. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. So, Gary, you have to green light. When I was working through our movie thing with Disney, we still had to get the approval from Gary to use the team's names and to use his name in the movie. So we like, we talked to Gary Bettman and said, Hey, we you're in our movie. Can we use your name? And there was a lot of back and forth. Like, here's the script, this and that, this is what we're saying. This is a route we're wanting to go. Is this okay? And at the end of the day, like they're very protective of their image and likeness. They really, you know, don't want anything out there. That's any, like negative light on them at all. So for them to green light this and for the title to be, I'm just here for the riot. It's, it's not a good look. Don't you agree? You want hockey to be painted in a light of fast, exciting. Everybody's welcome. It's, it's a good place to bring your family. I'm just here for the riot. It's crazy. It's crazy that they would green light this. I don't know. I think it's a bad thing for the NHL. Yeah, I mean, even if you take, even if the NHL didn't have to approve, which I'm sure they do, but the ESPN is such a major partner of theirs. And like, can't you picture them like of all the things you want to, like, can you go make a documentary about like Sidney Crosby, like something nice, you know, go make a documentary about Nathan McKinnon and Sidney Crosby growing up in the same town. Like that's, I'll watch an hour of that. Why are you just talking about one of the darkest moments in the last 20 years of the league? But it is interesting and it will put butts in the seat. So I, I can't wait for this to come out. It's yeah, I'll watch it. But there are so many better stories that you could have picked other than this. But 
people love violence. What can we say? We're we're a fallen society. Everybody loves a good fight. Who am I to judge? I'm a fighter. All right. What what do you got there, Tim? A shout out. What's that mean? Yeah, I got to give a birthday shout out to uh, one of the biggest fans of the show. Jay just turned 60 last week. My mom was at his party and uh, he listens to every episode, loves it. So I wanted to say happy birthday, Jay. Thank you. Happy birthday, Jay. Thank you for the support. Appreciate it, my friend. Have a good one. Is that it, Tim? Yeah, we'll wrap up there. All right, everybody. Well, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. Go drop us a like. Send us a message if you want to have a little conversation with us. We'll talk to you guys on Wednesday. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. 